Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art, where we bring you a new story about your world in every episode. Today's guest is the biggest imported drag queen in captivity, Lady Jane Monroe, who will talk about the national crisis that we are facing today, Drag Queen Story Hours. Lady J has been invited to local libraries in the D.C. metro area to read books to children. We'll talk about what her experiences have been like, how the kids have responded, what superpowers she will unleash if confronted by protesters. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. It's official. Conservatives have run out of ideas. They are losing voters due to demographic changes, and they are desperately trying to scare citizens into voting for their candidates. So they pulled out their old playbook of targeting a marginalized community right before an election. Story hour at public libraries are now ground zero for the latest culture war. The conservative right is running out of boogeymen to distract the American voter for not being able to deliver sane political candidates, fiscal budgets that lift the middle class, or provide a blueprint to a more sustainable future. Gay marriage, abortion, illegal immigration, transgender individuals in the military, they've used up all those wedge issues in past campaigns. They need to make up a new villain. What they found was a new villain in makeup. Enter stage left, the American drag queen. Drag is a form of art. Drag has been around longer than RuPaul has been alive, and the concept of drag is even older than the United States, thanks to Shakespearean plays where men played women's roles in full costume. The term drag probably originated in the theater of the late 1800s, according to an article in magazine Them. It explains that male actors used to wear petticoats to perform as women. Their petticoats would drag on the floor, and so they referred to dressing up as women as putting on their drags. Around the same time, the very first person to describe himself as the queen of drag was William Dorsey Swan, according to Wikipedia. This former slave from Hancock, Maryland, hosted drag balls in the 1880s in Washington, D.C., attended by other men who were formerly enslaved, and Shocker, these balls were often raided by police, as documented in the newspaper. William Dorsey Swan was also the first known leader of a queer resistance group in the United States. 140 years later, another drag queen in D.C. is keeping Swan's counterculture spirit alive. Lady J. Monroe is using her art form to promote literacy, imagination, and most importantly, acceptance. Her storytelling hours at local libraries are attracting youth who are ready to put down their electronics and learn a little about life through a story. On today's show, we'll talk about what her experiences have been like and what messages she has shared on her storytelling tour. I want to welcome to the show the incomparable, the indestructible, the infamous Lady J. Monroe. Applause, applause, applause. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everyone. For a minute. I didn't know there was going to be an audience. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute there, I thought I was describing a Ford 
F one fifty two. I think. I mean, I I think call that. <laughs> <laughs> The how's the largest imported drag queen in captivity doing these days? We're doing good, you know. Um, uh, taking gigs, taking. Um, you just finished a very busy Pride Month. Very busy Pride Month. Usually, that's like the, the busiest time for a drag queen. I, I made new connections, so um, can't wait to see what's to come. Yeah. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We've had such a tough spring i mean all these horrible supreme court rulings so i personally needed some time to assess and recharge before putting out another episode and i'm so honored to have you on the show to help kickstart a new season of the jess garcia show uh, which will continue to share positive examples of how queer brown voices are working hard to make the world a better place and I've been, I follow you on social media. And when I heard how you were being invited to share stories with children at libraries uh, in full drag, I was so like enamored with your postings. I was just thinking, good for Lady J. I wanted to get your point of view of these moments that are causing such a stir, such a stir among the Karens and the proud boys of the world. But first, before we get into the conversation, Lady J, let's introduce Lady J Monroe to our listeners. Tell us your origin story. How did the superhero start? So my name is Lady J Monroe. I am the drag daughter of uh, Kiki Monroe uh, from Southwest Florida. I'm um, the sister to um, Sotera, um, Sotera Monroe, uh, Asia Monroe, uh, Karma Sotera Monroe, I'm sorry, uh, Asia Monroe. And uh, we now have a niece. Um, I can't remember her name, but um, <laughs> my, that's my bad. But you have you come from a very big drag family. Yes. And for our listeners, it's like a little sorority of sisterhood that basically supports each other when they're in art form. Correct. It is. It's it's another chosen family. Uh, us LGBTQ plus people always have those chosen families, right? And then you build your little tribes here and there. Well, that's my drag family. And uh, I was born in. And speaking of Lady J Monroe, she was born in um, October October of twenty seventeen. Uh, and here we are. What five years later? Uh, she was born in um, Naples, Florida. And that's where I had my first drag show ever. First song I ever did was Into You by Ariana Grande. Oh, and right, then, Ariana. The rest is just history. History. So you performed in Florida, and now you're you're up and coming in D.C. You're running shows. You not only appear in shows, but you're also running shows. And you helped out big time with our Latinx pride over the years. And I guess your popularity has really taken off because now people are inviting you to do special performances, correct? Yeah, so now I'm getting invited. Actually, last night I, I, I met um, a drag queen. Um, her name is Maricon Carne. Mm -hmm. uh, I met her last night and we had talked on social media before about doing something together. Uh, and now that we finally met face-to-face, -face, it's probably, hopefully it's coming to fruition now, but I, I have performed in Florida, Rhode Island, uh, the DMV area of Virginia, Maryland, DC, um, hoping to perform in Texas at some point. But uh, mostly this past month, 
I focused a lot more on drag queen story hours more than performances. Well, I still did those. Um, most of my time was taken by drag queen story hours. And I work, this is the reason why we have you on the show today. Yes. Because these story times are just something that's really pretty, coming from a good place, but there's actors out there that wanna make this salacious, evil, um, harmful to children. They wanna paint it in that type of way. And we're here to set the, the record straight. Yeah. But before I mean... we go there, I have two questions. Because this is a lot of work being a drag queen. Because yes. uh, when people think drag queen, they think RuPaul. Mm -hmm. They think all this high fashion, all these products that flow, you know, because you're all our influencers. But 99.9% .9 of drag queens do this out of their own money. I mean, their own pocket. Yes. This is a lot of money that you, as a person, have to get your own funding to buy your dresses, your wigs, your makeup, yes. your shoes. I mean, and we're not, we're not, we're talking high quality stuff because you really want to wow the audiences, especially right. the performance that has several, you know, looks. Uh, it, it takes a lot of money and um, commitment to this role, correct? Yeah, so th there's a lot of money that goes into, especially when so a drag queen starting out uh, where she has to prove herself, uh, people will take that as in, oh, well, just just starting, so I'm only going to pay you uh, $50 for tonight, which is, you know, uh, I guess everyone has to pay their dues. Uh, at some point, you know, but uh, as you get, as the years go by, people start recognizing your seniority and they start paying you what you deserve. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, that people have to prove themselves, but I, I kind of get it. And at some point, you know, um, I need to know what you're all about and what you're made of. But most of the time when you're not making money until like your third, fourth year of drag, because the first three, three years, you're buying your repertoire of costumes, wigs, shoes, so you can have different uh, costumes and shoes to and wigs to show off something different every show so your first three years is just buying that stuff and making sure okay. you're learning the techniques and stuff so what's the best thing about being a drag queen the best thing is um the people that you meet uh, uh, when you're doing these shows uh, i always try to have a message behind every show that i do whether it be drag queen story hour or a show at a bar um what what my best friend who you've met jc says i he he loves the way i do ballads because i put my heart into those ballads and you can tell when i'm doing them but i also like to do the you know the spicy latin songs that i can dance to uh as well but uh, my favorite thing is just meeting these people that you know um having to the drag show for the first time or just are mesmerized by you and just want to meet you and they want to be your friend and um that's my favorite part just the people that get to see you what are some of the downsides for being a drag queen one of the, the downsides a lot is that you have to really be careful of where you where you go and um you almost have to travel in packs if you will, um, certain areas that you get to do shows, um, you, always, you everyone almost goes with the mentality of I'm going to get attacked. So you have to be ready for that. So a lot of times, like for, yeah, for me, I, can't, I won't leave a bar uh, in drag because that means I can't run. That means I can't defend myself uh, because I'll be on high heels. That's the, that's the worst part for me. Um, 
you know, it's hard getting into drag, putting on a girdle, but that just comes with it. After a few minutes, you forget you're wearing it. Um, I will say one of the hardest things is trying to get into one over with the with the cinturon. <laughs> but um, and uh, I right now more than anything is just the current climate is making it really hard for us because a lot of people um, look at drag queens as predators and you know that's not something that we are or we do. Let's 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 set the record straight. You like you said mentioned you've been recently asked to participate in drag queen um, story time at local libraries. Tell us what the experience was like. So I I, I was introduced to this um, concept via a, a mutual friend that we have, Albert. Um, he introduced me to um, the person that runs the uh, DMB Drag Me Story Hour. And I did it with them once. And then after that, uh, she just kept sending me gigs to do some I can do, some I can't. Um, because I, you know, I, I want, I like to be fully committed to a drag queen story hour. And if I can't do it, I won't do it. Um, but this past month, the, the ones I did were just amazing. I did one at Ken Lance Mansion in Maryland. I did two at the... Um, uh, Silver Spring Library, and I did one, and this was one of, I think, one of my most, most favorite ones. In Silver Spring, there was a neighborhood where all the neighbors closed down the street, and they had their own pride, and they had me over to the Drag Queen Story Hour. Okay. They all pitched in money. They shut down the road. Everyone makes food. Some make Everyone makes some type of food. They will decorate the street, and it was just, it was, it was a lot for me. Like, I was, I, it, it was the kind of neighborhood that as a gay boy, I wish I grew up in because that would have assured me, you know, you're fine, you're okay, you belong here. That we all deserve. Yes. That we all deserve. Yes, so everything I mean. I, I just want to say, what what goes into, like, what type of books do, do the do the books get chosen for you or do you bring your own books? So there's um, there's a few books that I buy myself and then there's a few books that the um, Drapping Story Hour DMB provides for us. Uh, we have a catalog of them that we can choose from. So um, the woman that runs this uh, has a pretty big selection that you can go into. So a lot of this, most of the books that we do read have to do with loving yourself, being who you want to be. So messages of love. There is nothing salacious that, you know, that is not for nothing inappropriate of a kid. Yeah. Um, so it talks about Age appropriate stuff. Yes, so it's appropriate stuff. But talking about um just little kids stuff like um I'm a kid becoming a big brother or a big sister. Um getting to love yourself messages that every kid should be hearing knowing that you lo- love yourself you're you're fine being who you are those type of books is the what we read and how do the children react when they see you first see you they get so surprised and it's it's yeah, sometimes it's hard to get them you know to trust you because you know it's a stranger so when you're when you get close to them and you, you just kind of get get down to their level and make them trust you and then they'll take pictures but when they first see you it's they're mesmerizing they they just they're like, you up. their eyes excited um oh i always do a um activity book um 
which like I'll do a book first, then I'll do an activity book, and I make all the parents and all the kids um, participate in the book in the book. So they have to jump, dance, and do all this stuff, and it's just amazing the response that they have because that it's like the icebreaker that gets them to yeah. start participating and listening to the actual book. What were the reactions from the parents? Oh my god, they're so grateful. Um, they're the nicest people. Um, I always read one, at least one book in Spanish um, to make sure that if there's anyone in the audience that does speak Spanish, they feel welcome. And also, um, I have, we have books where uh, one side's in English and one side's in Spanish. So I'll read that sentence in Spanish and the other sentence in English so that the kids also can start picking up on, you know, um, being bilingual. Language, bilingual, yeah. yeah. All right, disponible in español. Inglés sin barreras, girl. So, gotta ask, are any of the dads hot? Girl. Girl. Yes. Yes. So, single dad, are they hot? <laughs> yeah. So, you actually be surprised. A lot of um straight couples bring their kids. Um, one of the ones that I did not, Ken Lance mentioned, there was a straight. Latinx couple that came and they actually I couldn't tell that there was any one that spoke Spanish but I still read my Spanish book and at the end they came up to me they thanked me for including a Spanish book um it was the husband and the wife and then they brought their uh friends also to join us so everyone was like You know, they come and meet me at the end of the show and to thank me. And I thank them for bringing their kids and exposing them to such big, you know, culture shock of like, you know, this is art. This is what we do. And especially if you can intertwine it with um, with reading and something that you can learn. Yeah, I mean, it's just basically, I mean, kids go to circuses. They see people dressed up, you know, like clowns. In makeup. They in makeup they go to plays they see people dressed up in different costumes this mm -hmm. is just an extension of that it's like an art form you know yes and it's just it's just crazy that people are reacting so negatively over something that's so innocent that's um appropriate because it's pride month and right like it or not we are not going to go away we are no. now living mainstream some of us are mainstreaming and 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 we're out and proud We've got a, a month that recognizes our existence and we're going to be doing stuff in public to Absolutely. recognize our point. And I think a lot of these people and some of them, I will, I will not say all of them, but a lot of them is because they have been to drag shows and they see the nightlife drag shows. But you need to understand that what we do in just those shows, we're not going to do in front of the kids. It's completely different than what we do. I will, I will, will wear a leotard for a night show. I won't wear a leotard for um for hour. I saw your photos. You're wearing Miss USA gowns. It, you're you're like, just, you're like, I'm like, she's covered up so much. She belongs on church. What's going on? <laughs> what? Because, never, you know, these crazy. are still kids and you have to keep in mind that these are still kids. And a lot of times the ones that are sexualizing them are the people that don't want us to do these type of things because we're not sexualizing these kids. We're reading to them stories about love and acceptance. And, you know, uh, I'm dressed in a length, a floor length gown. So who is sexualizing these kids? You, we're not. How do you feel about these conservatives targeting drag queens in 
this I mean they they make this initiative culture it's like the culture war the new front line well yeah. it's just it's just like everything if you don't want your kids to be exposed to this then don't bring your kids just because you don't want your kids to learn this doesn't mean you have a saying in other people's kids like it's always a thing of like uh, a lot of republicans fighting other stuff that doesn't affect them same thing with like you know what's going down with uh, abortion if you don't believe in abortion don't get an abortion don't get an abortion but don't decide for others well, don't decide I mean, for other people that yeah, like right now we have republican let me tell you republican state legislators busy taking time out of their schedules mm -hmm. to file laws in florida arizona and texas to ban minors from drag shows drag so, shows yes and uh, these are states, Florida, Arizona, Texas, that are the top, they're in the top 15 states with COVID-19 deaths daily, currently, not when it started, we're talking about right now, they're losing people in, they're in the top mm -hmm. 15, they're in the bottom 15, when I looked at the statistics today, statistics today of the poor and extremely poor children, when they're ranking all of the, the poverty levels, these three states are in the bottom 15. I mean, they have more things to worry about rather than spending time attacking a little section at less than 1% of the population, a drag queen reading to a kid. They should be concentrating on public health of kids and, and, and empowering them, making their schools better, paying their teachers, for God's sakes, protecting those schools from AR-15. I mean, why are they so fixated on this? And it, you know, they're, they're looking for a boogeyman for this next year's election. There's always got to be someone that they can attack because obviously, you know, uh, Republicans are very good about making someone the bad guy. Um, yeah. They're really good about that. Um, and I think what it is, is that they're just, they're counting on everybody having this feeling of, of, of being shocked by seeing a man performing as a woman. And, um, or whoever, however they identify, performing as a woman, and it rather than seeing someone fulfilling their dream of giving art to the to the public, they're all shocked by it. They're not comfortable with it, and they want to do something about it rather than just letting it go and letting it be. You know, it says it's not about the person who has the dress on and the makeup and the wig they're fine as a human being doing what they want to do. They're comfortable in their own skin. It's the person that's putting all that judgment and hate and, and feeling so uncomfortable at the, at the mere sight of someone that's fulfilling their, their, their dream of being a drag queen. Yeah. It's on them. It's them that's uncomfortable and they need to deal with that. They don't need to be passing any judgment. They need to work on themselves and I think it's just really sad that they, we've gotten to this point in society where they're weaponizing drag queens. As being. We're going, we're going backwards. Um, we're just keep rolling back the the clock on human rights, right? And that's what they keep focusing on, making sure that um, those marginalized groups still stay marginalized. And exactly. I, I think. Ultimately, that's what the goal is here for them. Well, but one thing that I think we have learned in the past, when you piss off a drag queen, you're in for it. 
get ready to get hit back. I mean, yes, yeah. Uh, they they picked on the wrong person. They picked the wrong person person. because we're all right now. Like, girl, hold my hold my purse. Hold my purse. We gotta fight. (laughs) (laughs) They have no ideas how quickly you could get out of those heels and chase them down. Lady J, I just want to say thank you so much for all the the work that you do. Um, Not only performing and and spreading the gospel of drag queen throughout the uh, the DMV area and Florida, and I hope you get to Texas. Um, the big, um, which is, I think is drag, the capital of drag universe. I grew up in San Antonio. The biggest names in drag are all from Texas. The big dancing queens, all from Texas. All from Texas. I was there to witness the, in the, in the golden age of the nineties, all the beautiful drag queens in San Antonio. Miss Erica Andrews. Yes. Rest in peace. And Candy Andrews. Yep. All of the greats. But, um, I just want to say thank you so much for, just being that person that keeps on uh, keeping the counterculture alive and, 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 and not being afraid to do what you do. It's very important what you're doing um, and it's your art form. You've invested a lot of years and a lot of time and then you've helped others along the way too. Uh, oh, I have to ask for our listeners that are listening today that are thinking about becoming a drag queen. What advice do you have for them? Uh, my advice to them is Find a person that you look up to and that is a drag queen and ask them to um, mentor you. Uh, that's what I did. I, I asked Kiki to mentor me. She took me in with an open heart. Um, but also find your tribe of people that you know they're not going to judge you because there's some many drag queens out there. But there's the majority of us mean well. It's a, it's a business, you know, it's a business. Are, are so, for, uh, gigs and stuff like that. So, yes. um, so it's, it's, there's family, but you just got to be like any other business. 100%. 100%. So find somebody and, and fall in love with it. Do it out of love. Don't do it for the um, popularity of it, but fall in love with drag and then do it because that's, if you're only doing it for the popularity, it is not going to end well. Well, Lady J, thank you so much. And if listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find you on social media? They can find me at underscore Julio underscore AKA underscore Lady J. All right. Or Julio Acevedo. (laughs) On um, Instagram? Instagram's like that. Um, TikTok is like that. On Facebook, Julio Acevedo. All right. She hasn't been banned. Not yet. yet. Not Not yet. yet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lady J. Thank you so much for having me a second time. All right. Thank you.